Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Shorter show, high school basketball playoff action, so let's get right to it. Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB insider, is with us on the phone line now, talking a little Red Sox spring training action. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great, chomping at the bit. Going to be in Fort Myers next week and uh, fired up to, uh, to see the Red Sox. Talk to Alex Cora, talk to Devers, see see what's going on down there. You know, Buster, it's interesting that, um, you know, we we know that spring training results don't really matter, but the Red Sox have played fairly well in the first week. They seem to have a chip on their shoulder. Trevor Story told Nesson, like, hey, this team's a lot better than it's being given credit for. Can you ride, if you have that momentum, if you have that chip on your shoulder, can it matter? Um, yeah, I do. I do think that, uh, you know, there's certain circumstances where it feels like that, uh, you know, getting off to a good start is more important than it is for another team. And I think in the Red Sox case, that's exactly right. So, you know, they go to spring training and Oscar lost weight and he's talking about improving the defense and it's free agent year. And, you know, they, they have made some changes in Craig Breslow's you know, taken over, and if they happen to get off to a good start, all of a sudden the worldview begins to change a little bit. Um, you know, on the other hand, let's say the Dodgers started slowly. I don't think anyone would take that at face value, uh, and they would assume that there would be a, a you know a bounce back for the Dodgers. For the Red Sox, if they get off to a slow start, you know how the narrative would go uh, that they are exactly who we thought they were. So yeah, I think you absolutely can ride a, you know, a good spring training positivity into the start of the season. And that's what they need. Buster, we were talking yesterday on the show, Red Sox over unders or, you know, kind of between 78 and 80, depending on where you look. And my gut was that I would take the under, I think the Red Sox will finish last, but I don't think it's massively under. Like, I don't think in the past I've thought they're going to be bad and then they're going to trade off everybody at the deadline. They're going to tank in the second half. They don't have, like, a lot of guys to trade if this thing goes sideways. They're going to have young guys that are motivated, that are kind of getting better as the season goes on. So I would take under, but I don't think massively under. Do you agree with me on that? I agree, and I think that over-under is right in the neighborhood where it should be. Um, And I think you'd agree with me on this, too. If we had the old schedule where they would be playing each of their division rivals 19 times, I think that you'd maybe put it lower at 76 because of how difficult the, the AL East is. But the fact is they're not playing as many games against you know the Orioles and the Yankees. And I think that's going to help them. Uh, and I do think that they'll be you know kind of on the fringes of the wild card race for a lot of the summer. I don't think they're going to make it. I'm not going to pick them. But... I don't think they're a horrific team, uh, you know, say like the Oakland Athletics, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, you got me excited over the weekend when you would put out on social media that the Red Sox had met with Jordan Montgomery. There was the Peter Gammons report that, you know, one executive thought that Montgomery was going to land with the Red Sox. The team appears to have kind of distanced themselves from those reports. But what are you hearing about Montgomery as it relates to as it relates to the Sox? Well, I think the question is whether or not the price is going to come down into their range. Uh, I mean, one thing that we saw the Cubs do in their negotiations with Cody Bellinger all winter, it felt like that, you know, Cody was hanging out there and hanging out there and hanging out there. At some point, Scott Boris and the Cubs, you know, got together in the, uh, who represents Bellinger, and, and, you know, their conversations were along the lines of, okay, let's get this done. Um, in a lot of ways, Jordan Montgomery 
fits the Red Sox better than any other team. I think it behooves the Red Sox to sort of slow play it, to poo-poo the, you know, the idea, um, and wait for Scott's price to come down into the range that's acceptable for them. Um, you know, we'll see where that goes. But I think that we're starting to get to the, to the point in spring training where the unsigned prime guys like Jordan Montgomery, like Blake Snell, you know, they're going to have to start, uh, you know, the prices have to start to, to be adjusted. That's what happens. Cody Bellinger, he winds up going back to the Cubs, and I think that's going to happen at some point here with Jordan Montgomery. You know, it's interesting, Buster. We've talked about this, too. We're talking with Buster only of ESPN here in the Brady Farkas Show. So we all agree that it would be good to have Jordan Montgomery this year, but we all think that the Red Sox' best you know years ahead are you know, next year and the year after that. So if they get Montgomery for the, the Bellinger-type deal, and he has a great year, and they still finish fourth or last, but he's got an opt-out and he leaves anyways. We're having the same conversation next year. It's like, I, I do want Montgomery, but I feel like I need him for at least two years of certainty, and it doesn't feel like that would happen at this rate. Well, we'll see. Um, it would depend on the on the construction of the contract, but I'm sure that that's part of the you know thinking of the Red Sox, uh, you know, potentially. And maybe... You know, maybe where you land with a Jordan Montgomery, if he doesn't have a lot of options, is look, we we uh, we understand, uh, you know, our, our you know from our perspective that we either want to lock you up to a long-term deal or we want to be in a position where we where we can trade you in mid-season. You know, those trades, uh, you know, or those opt-outs that we saw with Cody Bellinger after this year, after next year, they basically kill the trade value of the player. If you know, any either side were you know thinking about that possibility because the acquiring team wouldn't know exactly how long they're getting the player mm. for. So who knows? I mean, maybe there's a number at which the Red Sox, you know, would make sense for them to say, and I'm just pulling the number out of the air: one year, twenty million dollars. Where, um, you know, the, the potentially the upside for them is they'd have Jordan Montgomery for part of the year. And then if it doesn't go well, then they could market him and they could get something in return. Theo Epstein did that, you know, a number of times uh, when he was managing or the, the general manager for the Chicago Cubs. That could make sense for the Red Sox. But the, that, the big thing is, is the contract construct. And I agree with you that if you're the Red Sox, you're either going to want them uh, for the long term or for very short term uh, on your roster. Buster, are we going to see the – pendulum uh, you know, shift here on Scott Boris. These guys signed with Boris in an effort to go get the big money. But now all the guys that want the big money aren't getting the big money and then are going to have to settle for these, you know, one-year deals or these opt-out deals. It's like, you know, Snell and Matt Chapman and Bellinger and Montgomery, all of these guys that thought they were going to get paid big aren't going to get anywhere near what they wanted. Is, is the momentum going to shift against Boris at all as a result of this? Well, it's interesting. I definitely, you know, got phone calls, got text messages from agents, you know, essentially saying "ding dong, the witch is dead" after the Bellinger uh, contract. I gotta say, when I when I got those, my reaction was, I think the Bellinger contract was really good for the player. <laughs> you know, uh, it was thirty million dollars a year for this year, thirty million next year, guaranteed if he if he decides to stay with the Cubs. And this is for a player at some real valleys of performance to the point that. You know, it was less than two years ago. The Dodgers non-tendered him. So, and on top of that, it's been five years since he played in 150 games. So, for him to get, you know, potentially 80 million dollars guaranteed over three years, I actually think it's a big contract. 
But what's happened is is that a lot of the projection systems, uh, I, I think, have been badly off uh, on you know Cody Bellinger. I saw some people were saying you know mid two hundreds. That was ridiculous. That there was no chance that was going to happen. Here's the other thing too about Scott, and and yes, he's made mistakes in his career, and some players have suffered because of it uh, with the the way that he's negotiated. I, you know, big picture. I, I, you know, he, he's done uh, phenomenal work for his clients. It's a little bit like saying if, if uh, you know, with Theo Epstein's last year with the Cubs, when they didn't compete, you know, is that going to take away from his legacy as a general manager? No. He's still going to be remembered as the guy who won a World Series with the Red Sox and then won a World Series with the Cubs. And it doesn't matter. It's the same thing with Scott with individual players this winter. Buster, I've actually, you know, been been watching a fair amount of spring training action, right? Caught a lot of the Red Sox so far, but also have whipped around a little bit. I was watching some Yankees, been watching the Dodgers a bit. So Otani gets a homer. Yamamoto pitches yesterday. I've seen Soto go, you know, with an opposite field homer the other day for the Yanks. What what's kind of stood out to you spring training wise nationally? Definitely Yamamoto's first uh, first two innings with the Dodgers, and I'm sure you saw it too. His stuff looked electric. A great fastball, uh, a, a great uh, breaking ball, you know, a tremendous split finger. And here's the thing is that he works with a very simplified delivery. Uh, and I'm going to be really fascinated to see how major league hitters adjust to it. It looks like he's a pitching machine more than it is a pitcher with how, you know, streamlined his delivery is. Uh, when I've seen the Yankees, D.J. LeMay, he looks great. And that's what I've heard from inside their camp, that, you know, he looks fantastic. And Giancarlo Stanton looks fantastic. I don't know if the Yankees are going to be successful this year, but I do know they came into camp seemingly on a mission, you know, to try to make up for last year. Uh, you know, I've heard really good things out of your Mariners camp. You know, people are, are talking very positively about them uh, there. You know, but those – those are the big ones nationally. I, I really can't wait to see, you know, how the Red Sox are with Vaughn Grissom at second base. He's a player that I've got to know a little bit. I think he's a great kid. I think he's going to be a good second baseman. He, you know, defense will always be the question mark with him. Uh, and I'm really curious to see how much Tristan Cassis builds on that incredible second half that he had last year. Buster, you're going to be in Fort Myers next week. The Red Sox are going to leave, it looks like, right after you're there to go to the Dominican Republic for this Dominican uh, series. You're playing; They're playing two games in spring training against the Tampa Bay Rays out there. So uh, as you get them kind of on their way out the door to the Dominican, what are you going to be looking forward to next week? Yeah, just seeing the, you know, feeling the vibe around the team, getting a sense of, uh, you know, how different it is with Breslow. Uh, I am going to be curious about Alex because he's going to be one of the, you know, the big names I think that we're going to talk about next year, potential free agents, uh, you know, with managers and, and what the Red Sox, you know, perspective is on him. And, and I'm really curious about sort of the, I mean, every spring and every camp, there should be positivity. And I'm curious to see if that's what the Red Sox have, because let's face it, besides the Oakland Athletics, the Red Sox probably had the worst winner of, of media response than any team in baseball. And I think it's appropriate, you know, with the decisions that they've made. But, you know, we'll see uh, how that sort of trickles down to where the fans are right now. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider with us every Thursday at this time. Buster, travel safe uh, as you continue your journey across Florida and get to Red Sox camp next week. I look forward to finding out what you found out when we talk uh, in seven days. Thank you. That sounds great. I'll be, I think I'll be talking with you from, from the Red Sox field, so that'll be fun.